So the major challenge for me in this fight, as we knew, was that this guy got under my skin. How could, how could he not? How could any person watch what he did to the person you love most in the world and be okay with it and not want to actually murder this human being? It, it might be harder to flip that switch into calmness and tranquility and fighting with my mind, not my heart, than I thought. How do I, how do, I do this? So me and Nina sat right, right over there. We had a meditation. And in this meditation, I'm sitting here. I go, how, how can I go into this as calm as possible and not want to fight with the emotion and this word kept coming to my mind forgiveness 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 and then man y'all gonna laugh at me the internet's gonna laugh at me but bro jesus came into my mind jesus is like the the, the man who has master forgiveness the power of forgiveness a whole religion was built on the power of forgiveness like the wow. amount of followers he has because of this one principle that if you can grasp it, and it's hard to grasp. You know how hard it was for me to go, I forgive you, bro. I forgive you for making my life hell. I forgive you for hurting the person I love most in this world for months on end when she's done nothing to you. But I knew that if I could do it, and I knew that if I meant that I actually forgave him, I could enter this fight with a calm mind and just box. to you if you are watching this from our Shoreham site, our Oasis site, our site in Hove um, or at the Clarendon Centre site or online. It is uh, a real privilege to be opening the word with you today. My name is George. Uh, I lead our evening service at the Clarendon Centre site in Brighton and uh, we're continuing on today with our Virtual Jesus series as we look through these statements in the Gospel of John and these I am statements of Jesus as he tells us about himself. And uh, I've been so served by this, and I'm sure uh, you have as well, if you've been journeying with us, not just learning about him and having our, our false assumptions of him challenged, um, but also many of us hearing him speak to us and experiencing him as well. So let me encourage you, uh, if you've missed any of these preachers or if you're just joining us, do go and check uh, the rest out on our YouTube channel. We're continuing on today, as I say, in that story uh, of Jesus' life and uh, I've, if you remember Matt preaching a few weeks ago on Jesus saying he is the way, the truth and the life. And we're still in that farewell discourse that Jesus uh, is giving his disciples. He's in a room. His death is imminent. Every word is laden with this emotion of knowing that the cross is coming. And he's there with his closest friends teaching them. It's an intimate moment. It's a relational moment. And it's good for us to have that in our minds as we hear the passage uh, that we'll have read to us right now. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish 
and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There are things that we all need as human beings to live happy, fulfilled lives. I wonder if I asked you what would be the one that you put forward now. I think a common one in our day and age is happiness or satisfaction. We need that to really live uh, full lives. Maybe it's meaning, purpose, a reason to get up in the morning. Maybe it's a sense of justice in the world. We need to know justice to really live. Um, as we've been going through these different sayings of Jesus, he's spoken to our deep needs. And one of the deep needs that we have uh, at the moment in our culture, one that's be, been uh, shown, that's been highlighted particularly over the last few years, is that of needing human connection, real human relationships, to know and be known, to love and to be loved. That's something that we deeply need. As we've gone through lockdowns, as we've had changes in technology, particularly as social media has been more and more a part of our lives, we've been more and more aware of the fact that we really need deep, real human connections and relationships. Even the best online experiences can leave us feeling empty at the end of the day. I had my own experience of this uh, during lockdown. I was dating my now wife, Abby, and uh, as with the rest of us, wasn't allowed to leave the house and we didn't live together. So we weren't in the same bubble. And the only way we could communicate through long periods of our dating life and our engagement uh, was online, was through FaceTime, was through video chat. And um, this was in one sense a blessing because it meant we could communicate and in other um, parts of human history that would have been impossible in a lockdown. Uh, but in another sense, it was deeply, deeply painful as we looked at each other on these images that sort of buffered and were pixelated and froze and the Wi-Fi connection died. And at times um, when someone was speaking, the words didn't quite connect. I'm sure you can remember that experience. And there was a real pain there. This is not what we're looking for, really. We're looking for really genuine connection and it's not quite happening here. We all need that in our lives. We need it in the significant relationships in our lives and we need it in smaller ways as well, just little moments of human connection. Whether that's an in-joke uh, with someone at your work that only you and them know. And uh, it's just a moment as you say it where it's like, oh, I, I see you and you see me and no one else quite gets this. Uh, maybe it's someone remembering your hot drink order. Uh, whilst they go around a room, hey, who wants a cup of tea at? I know uh, you have your tea uh, black with one sugar or something, which I don't, just to be clear. Um, definitely no sugar. But anyway, um, that's a love language in and of itself, um, isn't it? It's something that helps us to feel really connected. Oh, you've really seen me. You've remembered my name. You've remembered my drink order. Um, that is absolutely amazing. Um, we all know that we have this deep need for connection. It's so obvious to us nowadays. And I think in this day and age, more often than not, we live with a deep sense of disconnection. Even if you have all of those things that I've listed um, and all of your relationships are, are wonderful at the moment, you're really connecting. I wonder if, in, at least in some moments, you're still feeling moments of disconnection, of dislocation, feelings of not really connecting with yourself, with the world around you, with the people around you. 
as Jesus has been speaking to us about himself in these I am statements, as we've traveled through uh, in these diff different preachers uh, on these I am statements, we have learned about him. And as I said, he has met some of our deepest needs, or at least he's put himself forward as someone who could meet our deepest needs. And he's doing the same thing here. He's saying into your disconnection, I am the true vine. Come abide in me. What does he mean by this image of the vine? Well, initially it's quite a helpful image for his disciples who would have seen vineyards and, uh, and vines, these kind of sort of spindly uh, plants that grow grapes and uh, those grapes are used for wine. There would have been a familiar image to them as they went about their daily lives. Uh, but also it's, it's a bit more than that. Jesus is actually identifying himself with an image uh, that would have had deep meaning for the disciples and anyone that knew their Old Testaments because this image of the vine comes up in places like uh, Psalm 80 and in Isaiah 5. And normally this, this image of the vine is used of, actually used of the people of God. And it forms part of this broader story that the Bible tells us about the human race. Uh, it, makes, uh, it makes a small part of this large uh, understanding of the human race, which you can frame as kind of disconnection. This story is one of broken relationship with God, a God who made us for himself. And starting in Genesis, we see evidence of relationship between God and people as Adam and Eve walk in the garden. And it's said of them that they walk with God in the garden. They walk next to him. It's, it's a relationship. It's relating. It's intimate language. The Bible says we ache for connection because we were made for it. Made for each other. Yes, to connect with each other, but also for a deeper connection with God. And if you know the story of Adam and Eve, uh, you know that it doesn't last. And it's true of actually all of us. Um, they are uh, really a, a picture of what happens to all of us. Um, they lose that relationship through trying to make it on their own, through pride and rejection of God for other tantalizing things that seem to promise so much. I wonder if that feels familiar to your story as well. And as we're disconnected, the human race is disconnected from that life-giving relationship with God. The consequence is death. Still, God pursues us. And as the story goes on, he promises he's going to bless the whole earth, even though that relationship has been broken. And he's going to do it um, through uh, a man, Abraham and his descendants and the nation that comes from it. He's going to bless the whole world through you. Um, the human race, though it has lost its relationship with God, would have a representative nation where God dwells and would be blessed by it. That is the, the hope um, that is taught there and spoken to Abraham. And it's this image, a bit like a plant that grows from a seed, like the family or the, the promise that grows into this, from a seed into a plant, into a large nation that would bear fruit, that would bless the world. And uh, as you might imagine, the story continues with these same themes of rebellion, of self-reliance and pride. And that relationship, that disconnection uh, between uh, God's people and God continues. And uh, the, the hope, the promise on that nation is not fulfilled. And it's into this general disconnected, dislocated, fruitless, distant human race to all of us. Jesus speaks these words, I am the true vine. I am the human race's way to connect to God, to live full lives, to have that relationship they were made for, and then be fruitful and bless 
the earth. No longer one nation, but any nation that comes and puts faith in Jesus can be connected into this vine. Where God's people had failed, he succeeds. We're going to spend the rest of our time together unpacking this statement, I am the true vine. And we're going to look at Jesus's invitation, his warning and his promise. His invitation, his warning and his promise to us. So he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Here's his invitation. Abide in me and I in you. This slightly confusing language of um, abide in me and I in you speaks to a deep reality about what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you are just looking into church today and just looking into what it might mean to be a Christian. You might have different understandings of what that is. Maybe you think it is uh, just agreeing. The people in the room that you're in or in church, generally what they do is they agree with each other and they agree with Jesus. It's just assent to facts. Maybe your understanding of church is a bit more like, it's just a great community. It's an experience of community and that's what joins people together. Both of those things, not necessarily bad, but Jesus is pointing towards a much deeper reality. He is inviting us into a deep, real connection with him. In fact, he uses the same language about our relationship with him that he uses about his relationship with his father in heaven. So this language, abide in me and I in you, sounds a lot like the language he uses in John 10 when he says, I am in my father and my father is in me. And then in John 17, he prays for us and he includes us in that language. He says, they may, he prays that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you then they also may be in us. So Jesus, God the Son, has an eternally perfect, loving relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit. That always has been and always will be. We call it the Trinity, one God, three persons. And Jesus says, just as I am one with my Father, when you use that same language, I am inviting you into oneness with me. This relationship is a little bit different because we don't become God. We're not like the fourth, fifth, sixth, and millionth person in the Trinity. It's not like that, but there's enough similarity that Jesus can use the analogy. Just as I am in my Father, come and be joined to me. So there's kind of two elements to it. So first, there is a, a sense of location in this image of the vine and the branches. You've got the vine and the branches, and they all make one plant. So there is a, a genuine oneness Jesus is calling you into, which is mysterious. It's difficult to get our heads around. It's a spiritual reality, um, which the Apostle Paul kind of helps us to understand when he says, in Christ, we have all spiritual blessings. He talks about that in Ephesians. In Jesus, when we're connected with him, um, we get the blessings that he deserves this wonderful eternal relationship, perfect relationship with his father, all those blessings, all that love he invites us into when we are in him. Um, you might have heard it called union with Christ. And uh, the apostle uh, the apostle Peter, um, he calls it part, being a partaker of the divine nature. It's mind boggling and it's wonderful. And it's the way in which we get to enjoy everything that Jesus enjoys. I am the vine, he says, you are the branches, let's be one. And just as it starts to be difficult to get our heads around, in verse 9, he gives us a, a much more kind of tangible way of expressing this. He says, as the Father has loved me, 
so have I loved you. Abide in my love. His oneness with his Father in heaven is a reality. We do believe in the Trinity, but it's expressed here in relationship. Intimate, loving, Father-Son relationship. Even the fact he calls him Father, God in heaven, Father. It's relational language. And in the story of Jesus, if you know it well, you'll know in his baptism, the Father declares over Jesus, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. It's this beautiful, eternal relationship we get a glimpse into. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you into a relationship like that. In fact, I'm inviting you into that relationship. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. If we think we understand that statement, if you've heard it millions of times before and you and it just you can brush past it as you go through your Bible readings, then we've not understood it. That is worth a lifetime of study. As the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves you. And that's what he's inviting you into. What does it mean to abide in it, to experience it? How do we do that? Well, the word abide is often, uh, is often translated remain, sort of stay. It, the Greek word carries with it this, this sense of be what you are and stay where you are. The way to life, to joy, Jesus is saying, is, yes, being part of this relationship and experiencing me, but it's, it's not through ticking boxes or being super productive, getting up earlier. No, it's through being who you are. It's through staying, abiding in me, dwelling, sitting in and enjoying his presence, basking in the presence of God like you might bask in the sunlight on a summer's day. What the sun is doing doesn't change whether you're there or not. It just says, come and be. Enjoy. These feelings of disconnection, which I mentioned at the beginning, that we live with, these feelings of disconnection with people and with ourselves and with our world are symptomatic of a deeper disconnection from the God that made us for himself. And Jesus is inviting you to come into that relationship with him and to enjoy him, to abide in his love for you. How do we do that? Well, we've mentioned that quite a lot, actually, over the last few weeks. It's why we pray. It's why we read our Bibles. It's why we come to church. It's to enjoy God, to enjoy Jesus and pursue this most precious and divine of relationships through which we avoid this disconnected, fruitless living and we get to be who we were always made to be. We could stay there all day, but we're going to keep going. Um, Jesus knows uh, that you need other relationships. He's not saying that because you've got a relationship with him, you don't need community. Leave your family and go be a hermit somewhere. That's, that's not what he's saying. Um, he's saying that when you get this first relationship right, everything else flows from that. And actually, you don't need to look to others to do for you what only the God that made you can do. But you get to, from a place of satisfaction, bless others and be in those relationships. 
that is an ideal. That's not always an experience that we have, but it's a wonderful thing we can expect and pray for and try for as we abide in Jesus. Not only do those relationships get sorted, but we get a wonderful uh, we get a wonderful community in church. Notice it's one vine and multiple branches. We get to be branches together, joined to the vine that is Jesus. This community um, that you're looking in on or you are a part of is not defined by something that we all just find interesting together, like a club or something. And uh, it's not something where we just all look the same. And that's why we, we gather together. But we are, we are joined, not because of those things, but because of who we are in. Because we are all in Jesus, we get this wonderful ready-made community in church where our connection is deeper than the things we might disagree on because it's about who we are. So this is the wonderful invitation of Jesus. He says, come and abide in me. Enjoy this wonderful, loving relationship. But you won't have missed Jesus's warning if you were listening in as we went through um, the passage earlier on, as we heard it read to us. He says, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He goes on, he says it even clearer in verse six. If anyone, who do, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If all these wonderful things that Jesus is saying about himself, the true vine, if they're true, if he is our ultimate source of life, it follows that to not be connected to him leads to death. We think about the image of a, of a plant or the vine, it makes sense. Any branch not connected to that vine does die. This is a heavy thing, but it's so important. You'll know if you've been journeying with us through these statements that Jesus is often very exclusive with his statements. I am the way to God. And it's similar here. He's saying, I am the true vine. I'm not a vine. I'm not a way you can connect to God. I'm not a way you get perfect heavenly relationship. No, I am the way. I am the true vine. Whatever else we look for in our lives to do that for us will not do it. No other relationship, no other religion will do it. Only Jesus will. And he says those that don't abide in him will be thrown away like those branches. That's the image of a branch getting thrown away because it's not really connected in. So in this sense, your own experience of this relationship with Jesus is kind of up to you. If we choose to not abide in him, we choose death. Now we're all going to die and all the disciples that Jesus is talking to um, went on to, to die and unless Jesus comes back we all will as well. Um, and yet he promises them eternal life which he defines himself in John 17 as knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Eternal life is knowledge of God. So it follows that if we don't know him we are entering into death. We don't know him forever. We are entering into that disconnection from God forever. C.S. Lewis puts it like this in his book, The Great Divorce, which is on this subject. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, 
thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. From a human perspective, our choices are honoured by the father who's this gardener in this image. Um, he sees and removes branches that are not in his son. He's not separate from the act of being removed. He's sovereign over all of it. And those who choose not to be connected to the true vine, to accept his love, to submit to him and repent of their rebellion, he justly and righteously gives over to this disconnection for eternity. Maybe you're looking into church, looking into Jesus, just visiting today, and this has felt quite heavy. Um, do hear the warning. Even as you take your time and ask your questions and go to Alpha, and we'd love to just get to know you, that's absolutely fine. It is important that we hear what Jesus is saying, that there is no middle ground here. There's no branch that is kind of in him and not in him. There is, there is only in or out. Ultimately and eternally, there's no middle ground. And this is also true for us who maybe have been around in the church for a while. Some of us need to hear this warning as well. It's every branch in me, he says, that he takes away. In me. Those that look like they're in, but are actually out. Remember, he's in this room eyeballing his disciples. And I wonder if his mind turns to Judas at that point, um, who at this point in John's account has already left to go and betray Jesus. Judas, who has done wonderful things, heard wonderful things uh, from Jesus, seen him do miracles and yet still gone off and betrayed him. However close he looked to the vine, the fruit of his life, the things that he, he's doing here, prove that he never really knew him. Not truly, not really. A few years back, I spent quite a lot of money on a phone, uh, maybe too much money and more money than I had. Um, and it was my first iPhone. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it went well for a while. Um, though after a couple of months, I couldn't charge it properly. It was really frustrating. Um, it was like, uh, I had to get the, I don't know if you had this before, you had to get exactly the right angle and prop it up against a wall. It looked like it was charging. And sometimes, even though it looked like it was charging, I'd wake up the next day and it just wasn't charged at all. And this was deeply, deeply frustrating. And eventually it just stopped charging altogether. And uh, in utter desperation, I went to the repair shop and I said to the man behind the counter, hey, look, I've tried everything. I think it's dead. There's nothing we can do. Um, can you please, uh, is, is there anything you can do? Um, you can keep it for a few days if you need. I don't remember him saying anything to me. I just remember him taking the phone, taking a pin from under the desk, sticking it in the charging port, swirling it around and taking, out, uh, taking it out. And there was a load of sort of fluff and dust that had accrued from my pocket. I don't know if you ever felt the shame of thinking something was broken and then someone fixes it in, in two seconds. It's a special kind of shame. And I felt that shame that day, but I got my phone back and that was wonderful. Although my phone looked connected to the charger, no charge was getting through. There was a barrier there. Just as Jesus is saying, there are branches that look like they're in the vine here, but aren't really getting the life that they need, just like my phone wasn't getting the charge that it needed. Maybe you're in church because it's what you've always done, uh, or you just enjoy the community. But if you're really honest, you wouldn't say you really have a relationship with Jesus. What other people have, you know you don't. 
there's just something in the way. Like there was something in the way of my phone getting charged. What is it for you? Maybe there's something you won't give up. A sin you don't want to repent of. Maybe you just don't believe. You've just not got the faith you see in those around you. If you're not sure that you really follow Jesus, you can be sure. The pin you need that will scoop out um, the fluff and allow you to be connected into the vine is prayer, repentant prayer. Come to God today and say to him, I need you. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Say that you trust him. You don't have to look at yourself for your hope, but you look at him. And we can know certainty that we are connected to the vine. Don't wait. If you know that's you, do it today. Come back to the vine. He is so much more wonderful than you know. There is a, a second thing that the gardener does as well, uh, which leads us on to our last point, which is Jesus's promise. Although initially it actually doesn't look that promising. Uh, he says, um, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The ultimate result of being a, a branch in the vine is not just a kind of me and Jesus relationship. Um, it's not just uh, you and him and kind of quite introspective, but the result of it is fruit. It's being part of this blessing that Jesus uh, is saying that he is to the whole world. And actually, as we connect in him, we, into him, we become part um, of that plant and part of the blessing to the world. And that's, that's the hope, really. And that's one of the reasons we abide, because he says, apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. The only way to our fruitfulness, to really impact the world for Jesus, to tell people about this love that we found, to build families and churches and businesses that upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bless the nation and the nations. The only way to do it is not through trying harder, but through abiding. He says, apart from that, you can do nothing. One of these fruits is, yes, telling people about Jesus, but he also specifically says about prayer as well. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Pray and we tell people about him. Because we've abided in such wonderful love, we can't help but do that. This comes with its own warning. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts back. A friend of mine has a vine and he was saying this is a process he goes through uh, regularly, I think once a year. And even though the vine looks super fruitful and lots of flowers on it and the odd grape, um, it's not particularly fruitful for grapes in England, um, but even though it looks really alive and vibrant, there comes this moment where you have to crop it back and you crop it back so much it actually looks dead. But ultimately, even as Jesus promises us, it's for the fruitfulness of this plant. It's for the good of the plant and the blessing of those that will enjoy the fruit as well, even in moments of deep suffering and loss even as God takes away things that looked good look good in our lives we have this hope that it's not meaningless that as we abide in him he is doing these things 
Yes, for our good and for the good of the world, that we might be a blessing to those around us. This is our comfort. We come to him, we abide in him with our tears and our pain and our disappointments. And that is our job. And from there, we can know, as he says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And all of these things, as we come into land, all of these things, Jesus is saying, for our joy. He says, I tell you this, that your joy may be full. He wants your joy. That's his heart in all of this. He wants you to know his love, to be utterly dependent on him, to bear the fruits of prayer and give you wonderful purpose. His heart in it all is to share his joy with you. And as he stares into your eyes now, even as he stared into his disciples in that room 2,000 years ago, he, as the true vine, invites you, warns you, promises you. Why? Because he needs something from you. No, for your joy, that you might know full life. And this restoration of relationship with our God cost Jesus the cross. He said these things knowing that it would cost him his life. Death was the price, if you remember, that we paid for our disconnection from God. And so to bring us back into that perfect relationship with God, Jesus would have to die and go to the cross and go through death. Even though he was the most fruitful plant, right? He was perfect in every way. All of his miracles, all of his teaching, his perfection, his kindness. People said of him, no one ever spoke like this man that he does all things well. This person who never ever sinned, who was wonderfully fruitful, is cut back all the way to death on a cross for us. For you. His heart for you was for joy. He counted the cost and went to the cross. He wants us to know the joy of his love to be joined to him as he's raised to life and be part of his blessing the world. Jesus, who counted the cost and still made a way, is calling to you to him right now. Come abide in his love. Come enjoy him as we continue on together looking at Jesus. Let's enjoy him. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for your joy. Thank you that you chose the cross that we might know blessing and forgiveness and joy. Thank you, you call us not only into wonderful relationship with you, but into fruitfulness. And I pray right now that we would all know something of this eternal, wonderful love. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.